When it comes to investing, retirement, taxes, healthcare, and estate planning, the decisions you make today can greatly affect the quality of life for you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight and unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your retirement and financial future. Good news. You found the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. Grant is the founder of Dorhout Retirement Services, and he's been guiding people financially and into retirement for nearly 20 years. So get ready for an hour of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. It's time for the Retirement Blueprint. And now, here are your hosts, Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. On today's show, we're going to be talking about how much money you really need to retire. Also, we'll be covering rising health care costs in retirement, and then we'll be discussing 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people just like you make. My name is Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions, of course, but the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Grant Dorhout, founder and Wealth Advisor of Dorhout Retirement Services right here in Omaha. Grant, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing well, Jeff. How are you? I am doing great. Excited to be with you here in the fine people of Omaha. You know, Grant, I really do enjoy doing the radio show. You and I were talking about this off the air because we really do cover a lot of important topics. And sometimes the topics that we have covered are actually questions that people ask you when they come in for their consultations. Oh, yeah. These topics today I'm particularly excited about because there's a lot of myths and myths misconceptions that people have around these things that they think that, well, we'll just get to that later and and they maybe delay and then all of a sudden give themselves some other retirement issues. So I'm glad that we're covering these today. This is very helpful. Yeah. And I'm excited to talk about it. And, you know, one of the main questions I'm sure that you get when people come in and they're getting ready to retire is, Grant, how much money am I going to need to retire? And really, I think the definitive answer is it depends. It depends upon your lifestyle. (laughs) So we're going to cover that, but we're going to start start off with the old 4% rule. You know, this is a rule that's been going around for really a long period of time, and it really just doesn't apply to everybody. So let's talk about and explain what the 4% rule is and how that works. Yeah, 4% rule is kind of an industry standard that people use. So, hey, if I build up this nest egg, then I get to retirement with X amount of dollars, say a million dollars. Well, you start taking $40,000 per year. Well, if I'm making 7 or 8% in the market, I should be totally fine by taking 4%, right? Well, that's true. But when you start having fluctuating assets in the market and then you start taking money out, well, I create a complication because the market doesn't always go up. And if the market goes down, your bills or your vacation that you're paying for, those things don't really care if the market goes down. So you still withdraw that money. And now we have a potential complication with the sequence of returns that you're going to have in retirement. I talk about sequence of returns risk a lot with people when I'm doing presentations or if I'm talking to people in my office that we have to think about things that we can't control. I cannot control in the next 10 years if the next two or three years is a down market and then later on the market's really good. Oh, and I also can't control it. The next seven years is going to be an up market and then the last three years are down. And those are two very different outlooks that people are going to see, even if you have the same rates of return over a period of time. If we have down markets early and we're relying on the 4% rule, we could be in trouble later on in retirement. 
So it all depends upon the amount of money that you have saved. And certainly if that amount of money goes down, 4% is really just not going to work for you. So the 4% rule certainly is not a rule that I would hold hard and fast. It's really crucial to know what everybody's retirement needs and their financial situations are because they're indeed going to be different. And as you said, when the market goes down, your utility bills don't go down with the market. Yep. <laughs> your expenses don't go down. I mean, I'm still paying the same at the supermarket for food, my mortgage or rent, whatever it happens to be, does not go down as well, too. So the 4% mm-hmm. rule certainly is a blanket rule, but it's not for everybody. Let's talk about the theory that some people say, well, you know, I'm not working anymore, so I'm going to need like half of what I was making when I was going to work. Well, think about this. Is your mortgage half of what it was? Is your food bill half? Mm-hmm. 50 to 80% of your retirement income could or could not work for you. Yeah, it might work, but it depends on what you want to do. We were talking about this off the air just a little bit ago. I have one of the people that I've talked with recently that he traveled a ton for his job. And once he got to retirement, maybe people that are listening to this are this way. He's like, I don't want to travel anymore. I just want to be home. And that's going to change what someone's outlook is for retirement expenses and what type of monthly budget they're going to have. Other people, they've been going to the same job or maybe they've been working from home for the last several years because that's changed quite a bit with COVID and everything. Well, if they've been working from home and they say, you know what, I haven't been able to take vacations. I want to travel a lot. Well, now that completely changes that outlook and so someone that is spending, you know, $100,000 a year, let's say that's what they're living on. If they come to me and they say, you know what, hey, I have social security benefits of forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000. I think I can just live on that. And I'm not going to take anything from my retirement savings. I don't think that that's really possible because we have all this extra time. We have about 2,600 hours if you factor in the drive time to and from work, about 2,600 hours a year that you're going to have to fill. Typically, people aren't going to just tinker in their garage. They're going to go do some things. They might be going in. It might be going and visiting kids that are out of state, grandkids out of state, going to their ball games. Jeff, my son, he plays baseball and, and we go down to Kansas City and we go to those ball games and it's fun, but it's not enough that we just go to the ball game. Now we got to pay $20 just to get into the ball game for the weekend. Will you do that for me and my wife and my two other kids? It gets to be pretty expensive. And then if my parents come, well, hey, yeah, they drove down to Kansas City to watch my son play, but now it's $40 to watch him play. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. all of those things, we're doing more stuff typically, especially early in retirement. Yeah, and we go out to eat. I mean, it's not just the ball game. There are a lot mm-hmm. of expenses that are involved with doing that. And I, I like the uh, fact that you mentioned, uh, you know, $100,000 a year. That is a good benchmark to really figure here. I mean, if mm-hmm. you were at home, yeah, and you're tinkering around the house, I mean, 80% of that might be okay. But think about this, you know, people spend the most money on Saturday. And when you're retired, every day is Saturday. So you may not yep. be traveling. If you're planning on not traveling, I mean, hey, maybe you want to fix up the house a little bit. You want to redo the landscaping. I mean, there are a lot of other things that you're going to spend money on. So typically Mm -hmm. when you do retirement plans and someone comes in and says, I have made $100,000 annually for a long period of time, do you expect to design a retirement plan that you hope will generate $100,000 or do you design a plan that's less or even more? I almost always, I I was doing one earlier this week with a client that they had an unexpected job change and it was a simple thing. We just looked at, hey, if we need X amount of dollars and it doesn't matter if it's 100,000 or 150,000, let's say while someone's working, we just look at that number and we start inflating that at two and a half percent. And we do that and keep that number the same 
throughout all retirement. If we did two and a half percent all years, and then they start taking their social security and we fill in the gap with their investments, and we're going to look at more reliable income sources, something that looks like a pension. Well, if I'm going to do that, I want to keep it the same throughout all retirement. And if they don't spend that much, well, great. Then we just have more money in savings or more money that we can actually invest. But if we undershoot that, then we have a problem. Because if we undershoot it and we say someone's making 100000 and then they say, you know what, I'm going to live on 80000 in retirement, and we build a plan that's based on that 80000 well, then if they say, gosh, you know what, that wasn't enough, and they pull an extra $20,000 per year from the investments and we hadn't planned on that, that can create these complications that later on you don't want to go through. So we almost always are going to say, you know what, we're going to take your retirement income and we're going to keep it inflating at what your working income is. And if it works good with those numbers all the way to age 100, we know we're pretty safe because typically people like my parents, 82, 80 years old, they're starting to slow down a little bit. They're still active, especially for 82 and 80. However, their spending has gone down. Some of that's by mm -hmm. choice. Some of it's just because, you know what, they just are not spending as much just because they want to. And that's just their Dutch nature. And that's okay. So a lot of people that we run across are that way that they start getting into those slow go and then even no go years later on in retirement. Yeah. And there are unexpected expenses too. Your parents may not go out and do the things that they used to do, but then, you know, water heaters break, uh, roofs need to be replaced. Yep. There's always something that comes up as an unexpected expense. And then of course, there are healthcare expenses, which uh, we're going to be covering in the next section of our program. We're talking with Grant Dorhouse here. Our show is called The Retirement Blueprint. Grant us with Dorhout Retirement Services. If you've got questions or comments about anything that we're talking about here on the show, or you want to get in and sit down with Grant and get your piece in Retirement Blueprint, that number to call 402-281-0750. That's 402-281-0750. The website is dorhoutretirementservices.com. D-O-R-H-O-U-T retirementservices.com. Grant, let's talk about how much you should have in savings around retirement. Now, I read an article, quote unquote, experts who are saying on average to follow this mm -hmm. rule at 50, you should have five times your salary at 55, six times your salary at 60, seven times your salary at 65, eight times your salary. If we use that $100,000 a year benchmark, they're saying that at 65, you should have $800,000 in retirement savings, but people are not living till 67, 68 years of age anymore. Mm -hmm. It's common to find people who are 88, 89, 90. I mean, it's surprising the number of people who reach 100 years old today. Yeah, these benchmarks, I mean, this is good to start, but that's when you actually got to put some work in because what these articles, I read the same article that you read and seeing that at 65, it needs to be eight times salary. At 35, it's two times salary. It's just giving them an idea of, okay, hey, this means you're probably on track. But what this article is not assessing is, well, does this person have a pension? Well, does their spouse have a good job and is their social security going to be the same amount? Is it going to be half of what theirs is? Because in my scenario, for instance, you know, my wife's social security might not be equal to half of what mine is. Mm -hmm. Well, if that's the case, then I need to factor that in. Well, if my wife gets a different job later on in life and her social security amount is much higher, well, then that person might not need to have eight times their salary. Because 
because their reliable income sources, whether it be Social Security or pension, make up a large portion of that 100000 So for instance, I've met with plenty of people that their Social Security between the husband and wife is somewhere around $40,000 per year. Well, if you put a $40,000 pension on top of that, if that person has $800,000, they only need $20,000 from that in order to satisfy their retirement goal. That looks a lot different than if they have no pension. If they have no pension and 40000 of Social Security and they need 100000 well, now I have 60000 that I need. They're probably going to need more than 800000 in order to actually satisfy that goal. So you got to do some work on figuring out the math problem. And in that math problem, you got to factor in what are all of my reliable income sources. The less your reliable income sources, the higher that nest egg is going to be. And there's just no way around it. And I've heard this in general conversation, a million dollars. If I've got a million dollars, that's going to be enough in retirement. But that could or could not be true. Right, Grant? Absolutely. Absolutely. A million dollars might not even be close. If I have someone that says that they need $140,000 to live in retirement and we have to inflate that at two and a half percent, and let's say their social security is $50,000, $60,000 per year, a million dollars is not enough. It just isn't. And then you also have to factor in how is that actually taxed? Are we in non-qualified funds? Do we have rental property? Do we have Roth IRAs or is it all traditional IRA? Because there's certain things that we can't know is what the tax rate is going to be 10, 15, 20 years from now. So if we have everything that is in qualified plans, 401k, 403b, traditional IRAs, self-employment pensions, simple IRAs, all of those types of deferred plans where we're going to have to pay taxes on it later on, well, then that brings in additional complication that you need to factor in. And really a million dollars, it may be enough for some of my clients, but there's a lot of them that it wouldn't be. We're talking with Grant Dorhout here of Dorhout Retirement Services. Our program is called The Retirement Blueprint, and we're discussing how much money you need in retirement. Once again, if you'd like to get in and sit down with Grant and talk about how much money you need in retirement, simply call 402-281-0750. That's 402-281-0750 to get your Peace in Retirement Blueprints. Just a casual conversation between you and Grant to determine how much you need to save for retirement. Again, no cost, no obligation. There's no just for this plan. Highly encourage you to give that call today at 402-281-0750. Leave your information there and Lisa will call you back and set up a time for you and Grant to chat about 30 minutes or so to get that conversation started. Once again, 402-281-0750. You can also request your Peace and Retirement Blueprint online at dorhoutretirementservices.com, D-O-R-H-O-U-T, retirementservices.com. Want more strategies to support the quality of life you want for 30 plus years? Stick around. There's more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout in just a moment. You can't start a trip you've never taken without a plan. And you can't start your retirement journey without a comprehensive plan to get there safely. To request your no-cost, no-obligation Dorhout Retirement Roadmap, call 402-281-0750 or request it online at dorhoutretirementservices.com. Now, back to more of Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shade. 
Thank you so much for joining us here on the Retirement Blueprint on 1290 Coil. We're here for you every week for your fiscal fitness and your financial education. Once again, if you've got questions about the show or you want your piece in Retirement Blueprint, that number to call 402-281-0750. That's 402-281-0750. If you've got questions or comments or, you know, even if you have subjects that you'd like us to talk about on the show, once again, that number is 402-281-0750. Last segment, Grant, we talked about how much money you need in retirement. In this segment, I want to talk about how much money you need to cover rising health care costs in retirement. Grant, it is no secret that health care costs are one of the two most expensive things that you'll pay for in retirement health care along with taxes. So let's break it down and help people understand the health care space. What are the options today? So we're talking a lot about when people get into retirement, Medicare, as well as long-term care. That's where one of your biggest expenses are. And most people don't actually even have a plan for it. And when I talk about having a plan for long-term care, most people, they actually associate long-term care with nursing home. And then they say, when I ask them, what do you think about that? They think it's expensive. And that's true, but they typically are talking about the insurance cost. And I'm not actually talking about insurance. I'm not saying that anyone should get insurance, but you have to have a plan for how you're going to pay for it. And I actually read this article where it was talking about the administration on aging estimates that at least 70% of people who are 65 today will require care in some context. Now, that's actually not talking about just full-blown nursing care. It's talking about assisted living or home health care, where we're actually seeing the majority of claims come in is assisted living and home health care. And how are we going to pay for that? What pot of money are we going to do that? Is it going to be with some long-term care insurance? Is it going to be from a life insurance policy where you can actually pull some of the death benefit for that cost? How are we going to pay for these things? Because there is a common misconception that, well, Medicare is just going to pay for me. And that's just not true. Because if you look at what costs are covered by Medicare, you have a chance that you could get up to 100 days covered. And that's between Medicare and a Medicare supplement. But you may not because you have to meet Medicare's requirements in order to get them to pay anything for that long-term care. And then when I get to that point, a lot of times people will say, well, I'll just have Medicaid pay for me. Hmm. Well, that could be true, but then you can't really have any money in order for Medicaid to pay for you. So very complex environment with figuring out those health care costs, Jeff. And we're focusing on long-term care right now. And in just a moment, we'll talk about Medicare, what it does and does not cover. But Grant, as far as long-term care policies go, those are a little bit misunderstood. They're really not for everybody. Can mm-hmm. you explain or give us a few more details about long-term care policies and how they work? Yeah, long-term care insurance, there's a lot of misconceptions, a lot of myths out there because I can't tell you, Jeff, in my 20 years or near 20 years of doing this, I have heard so many times my grandma or my neighbor or my associate or whatever it is, someone else, not them personally, well, they had a long-term care insurance and it just didn't pay. Mm -hmm. Well, what type of policy was it? Because there was a lot of policies years and years ago that you would buy that they would just pay for for a nursing home, but they wouldn't pay for any home health care. Well, inevitably, the person that says, well, that one didn't pay, they had to have some home health care, which we all would like, versus a full-blown nursing care, and they had a policy that might pay for 
full-blown nursing care in a skilled nursing facility. On the flip side, there's the opposite, where someone is in a nursing home, but they had one that paid for only home health care. What we recommend is that people have a plan that's going to cover all levels of care, whether it be from a traditional long-term care insurance where you pay X amount of dollars in premium and then it pays X amount of dollars in benefits, and it'll do that for a defined period of time. And there's all kinds of different coverage levels. You could do $100 a day, $200, $300 a day, whether it be at home or in a skilled nursing facility. But I would recommend that everyone, if you're going to look into that, you have to price out what inflation is going to be. And there's a couple different ways that they can inflate those. Some of it's simple, or you could also do compound. I'd recommend at least getting quotes on if it's going to be compound inflation, because simple inflation just isn't going to keep up with the rising costs that we've seen. And Grant, I have heard that long-term care policies get more expensive as time goes by, and at some point they get too expensive for people, and at some Mm -hmm. point they'll even offer to buy you out on those policies. Is it true that these premiums go up and up and up and up as you age to the point where you just can't can't afford them doesn't make any financial sense at all. Yeah, they could. They're not guaranteed to, but what we've seen is that they do. Okay. So in the future, we don't know that that's going to continue to happen. But yeah, those long-term care insurance premiums, they typically will have an increase. And we don't know how much that's going to be in the future. As a result of that, Jeff, I mean, we've had a shift where we've started looking way more at asset-based long-term care, where we have this pot of money, where we have more reliability in what it's actually going to be. So if someone lives and they need it for care or or need it to pay for care, then there's that pot of money for that. If they die, there's a death benefit that's paid out to beneficiaries. And if they want to quit, if they say, you know what, this just isn't for me anymore, then those companies, then they would actually give the money back. So a live, die, or quit is definitely my preference because in a traditional sense, in a traditional long-term care sense, I cannot tell you if that's going to pay out. I cannot tell you what the premium is going to be in the future. And those uncertainties, I like to mitigate that as much as possible when we're putting together someone's long-term care plan for their retirement. And Grant, a moment ago, you mentioned a life insurance policy that would possibly pay for long-term care. Does a policy exist that will pay out death benefits before you die if you can't do, let's say, two of six daily activities? Yeah, there are ones that can, but not all of them do, Jeff. And that's a very important distinction that some people that are hearing this, they might say, oh, well, I have life insurance and my death benefit's just going to pay for my long-term care. That could or could not be true because you have to have the right provisions inside of the policy. There are certain types of life insurances that do have what's called a chronic illness rider on it, where if you don't perform two out of the six activities of daily living, you could get a certain portion of that death benefit out to pay for long-term care. And that's all over the map, Jeff. It it might be 2% of the death benefit per month. It might be 5% of the death benefit per month until it's exhausted. Or it might be a much higher amount where you could access even more. You got to really dig into the details on the policies to see what you actually have. And we help people with that part all the time. And those activities of daily living that we were talking about there, they would include eating, personal grooming, I mean, toileting, management, communication, bathing, cooking, food, that sort of thing. If you can't do two of six, possibly this life insurance could pay out for your long-term care. So let's pivot a little bit to paying for just regular medical expenses. Of course, most people, when they're working, they're covered by a company insurance policy. But then when you're not working Mm -hmm. or you retire and you get to be 65, then there's this magical thing called Medicare. There's Part A and 
there's Part B, then there are the supplements, and pretty soon our TVs and radios are going to be bombarded with these plans that you can get, and we'll be talking about those more in mm-hmm. detail as the year goes on. But let's break it down. Medicare Part A. Now, I think most people think that it's going to cover everything, but it really does not cover absolutely everything, does it? No, it absolutely doesn't. It's not actually designed to cover everything. That's why there's four different parts to Medicare. You have Part A, which is typically the hospitalization services. I like to think of it, it's not exactly this, Jeff, but this is some way that I can help people understand that if someone's in a in a hospital bed overnight, that's the hospital charges. But anytime you, you start employing a person, when people start getting involved, then you're looking more at the Part B charges or the medical charges. And then you have Part C, which is the Advantage programs, and then Part D, which is the prescription drug plan. And you already alluded to it, Jeff, that we're getting to that time of year between October 15 and December 7 where we get bombarded with all the different advertisements for the different Medicare Advantage programs and prescription drug plans that people can go into for January 1 coverage. But if you don't have one of those types of plans, you're typically going to see people that have Part A and B that they also will have what's called a Medicare supplement. Then you have different types of plans that you can get in. Maybe it might be a Plan G or or a Plan N or something like that where those coverages are different But the company, they can't change that coverage based on what they want to do. Those are standardized plans. And as I understand it, Grant, if you do purchase an Advantage plan, and as you said, those commercials are going to be coming up pretty soon. If you do choose one of those plans, are you required to go to a doctor with any particular network or can you go anywhere you want? You may have that. There's different preferred provider organizations, PPOs. There's also HMOs that they have associated with those that could limit your access. I typically like to see it where if I have a plan that if Medicare pays, then that plan will pay along with it and it it can't pick and choose and decide where you can go in your retirement. You know, if we have people that go from here down to Arizona or, or if they go down to Florida or Texas, I want them to be able to go down there and make sure that they know that they're going to be covered in case that something happens. So I like to give as little restriction as possible when we're putting together someone's health care for their retirement as well. So in summary, Medicare Part A pays for things such as hospital visits. Part B is more when you're dealing with a person such as a doctor, you're going to the doctor's office. Part B will pay for that. There are some co-pays that are involved with that. Part B is not free, though. You do have to pay for it. And if you are receiving Social Security, I understand they'll take that out of your check. But what if you're not receiving Social Security? Yeah, then you have to actually pay that quarterly. And you do write a check that you will send in. Now, what the premium is, you have to know this, the Part B premium is $164.90 right now. But that is adjusted based on your income. If you are a higher wage earner, then you will have a higher premium that you get to pay on a monthly basis or on a quarterly basis if you're not taking your Social Security benefits yet. And as I said, there are some co-pays, too, that you might be responsible for. There is a Medicare G plan. It's sort of a Medigap plan, which you can purchase, and it will allow you to have more predictable health care expenses. But the bottom line is that there are a lot of choices out there when it comes to paying for long-term care and uh, when it comes to paying for your daily medical expenses. The only way to find out which is the right way for you is to ask someone who knows about these things. And to that end, Grant, how do you help people make the proper Medicare decisions? 
Well, we actually, we've been independent for many, many years. We started in Medicare about 19 years ago now, and we've grown and evolved with it. We've seen a lot of changes, and, and within the companies, we've seen a lot of changes with what plans work best for different people. But, you know, depending on the person, a Medicare supplement and a prescription drug plan might be the really good decision. It might be a high deductible plan G. It might be just a regular plan G or something different that's out there. Or I have plenty of clients that they really like their Advantage program. That's really all over the map. And what we have to do is like we do with putting together someone's income plan, we're going to look at their entire situation and assess, okay, what is their risk in being in each of these scenarios, whether it be supplement or advantage, and which one is going to be acceptable? Because a lot of times when you go through that, then you'll identify, okay, if someone's not willing to actually have a potential significant out-of-pocket expense, then they may want to lean away from going to an advantage program or a high deductible plan G, but someone that's used to paying those things and they're totally fine with it, but they want to have a lower premium, well, then we can start looking at those high deductible plan Gs or the advantage programs that are out there. Grant, if our listeners have questions about health care expenses, long-term care expenses, they'd like to sit down with you or someone at Doorhout Retirement Services and discuss all the options and come up with an answer for them. Once again, we invite you to call this number. You can do it today, 402-281-0750, to get your Peace and Retirement Blueprint. Once again, that number, 402-281-0750. You can talk about medical expenses, certainly long-term care expenses, but generally you can talk to Grant about your retirement journey and how to get there, a retirement in which you not only survive, but you also thrive. No cost. There is no obligation for this conversation. You can do it in person. You can do it by telephone or you can do it by Zoom. Once again, no cost, no obligation. Certainly there is no judgment for this. Why wouldn't you call 402-281-0750? 402-281-0750. You could also request your peace and retirement blueprint online at DoorhoutRetirementServices.com. That is D-O-R-H-O-U-T RetirementServices.com. Want more talk about sustaining your wealth and thriving in a retirement that could last 30 plus years? Stay tuned for more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout after this. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Retirement Blueprint with your financial Sherpas, Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. Grant, we've had some great conversations this morning. How much money do you need to retire? Also covering rising health care costs in retirement. And we're going to start talking right now about 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. But as I said, people may not have heard the entire show. So I want to remind people that we're also a podcast. Go to wherever you get your podcast and search for Grant Dorhout, The Retirement Blueprint, or The Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. You'll find this show and all of our past shows so you can stay on top of your wealth and your journey towards retirement. Grant, before we get to these 12 retirement mistakes, I want to again talk to people about this piece in retirement blueprint that we offer. First of all, in the back of your uh, business card, it does have P-E-A-C-E, which is really an acronym. Can you fill us in again for those people just joining us what that acronym means? Yeah, that, like you said, is right on the back of the business card. The the P actually stands for protected income. Having a defined income plan is going to be very important for your retirement. Efficient tax strategies would be the E. Looking at how are we allocated? How are we invested? Do we have tax-free sources or is it all tax-deferred? Are we going to have to pay taxes on these funds in retirement when we start getting income on them? All of those things go into that tax strategy that we go through with people. Accumulation, being in the stock market in a responsible way 
that allows you to sleep at night. I think that gets lost on a lot of people is I meet with people all the time where they are taking on risks that they really weren't aware were there. And we help people put together a good plan that's in the market so that they, again, so that they can sleep at night. We just got done talking about some of the healthcare. That's C, which gives people complete control of their healthcare and and looking at what type of things are they going to have to cover, whether it be Medicare, whether it be assisted living, home health care, or full-blown skilled nursing care, all of those things have to be in that health care plan. And then estate, making sure that these funds get where you want them to go in the most efficient way possible, whether it's going to your kids, whether it's going to your grandkids, if it's a church or a charity, whichever way that is, making sure that it's the most efficient way that you can be. So that's our Peace in Retirement Blueprint. Once again, no cost and no obligation for yours. Call this number today to get it. It's 402-281-0750. You can also request it online at doorhoutretirementservices.com. That's D-O-R-H-O-U-T retirementservices.com. All right, Grant, let's launch into the 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. Number one, Grant, is going to be claiming Social Security at the wrong time. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things that you have to consider with taking Social Security too early. The second one is what we'll cover next. But the first one is we're going to take about a 30% reduction if we don't get to our full retirement age and we want to take it at age 62. Well, if you're looking at that, look at how long you're going to be taking those benefits from 62. What if you're taking those benefits until you're 92? If you're taking them for 30 years, well, we, we have a long time that we're going to have that reduction. And when Social Security Security is increasing at one and a half percent on average. That's what we kind of figure on is about one and a half. I know that recently we've had bigger increases than that. But if we take that too early, we might be having issues later on in life if we have to fill in a gap of income to fund our retirement. We're talking about the 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. The first one, of course, claiming Social Security at the wrong time. Grant, what's the next one? The next one's very simple, continuing to work after you've claimed Social Security if you've done that early. Between age 62 and 67, for people that are born in 1960 or later, if you were born prior to 1960, it'll be earlier than 67. But if you keep working, there's an earnings test of $21,240. If you make more than $21,240, for every $2 that you make, you're going to have to give back a dollar of your Social Security. Now, it's a very, very complex complicated formula, but they will put that back in your social security check later on once you do hit your full retirement age. And it's going to be a very long calculation that we can go through with people exactly what the ramifications are. But the simple thing is don't take your social security until you're not going to be making less than that 21240 And that's in 2023. That number is going to change and it will index for inflation. It will go up. We don't know what it's going to be next year yet, but you just got to keep those numbers in mind. And we've talked about full retirement age between 66 and 67, and it depends upon the month and the year that you were born. If you want to find out what your full retirement age is, you can simply Google Social Security Retirement Estimator. It will give you your full retirement age and approximately what you will receive in Social Security benefits. Next one, Grant, is carrying debt into retirement or paying off debt when you retire. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, that's an easy one that we can eliminate. If we have a retirement 
retirement that I need $100,000 a year. We were talking about incomes earlier, but if I need $100,000 per year, but my mortgage payment is $2,500 per month, well, I know I have taxes and insurance that is out of that $2,500 a month typically, but what if I had my house paid off, then all of a sudden my 100,000 might go down to 80 or $85,000. That becomes a lot easier to create that lifetime income that we're going to need if we just have less expenses that are coming out on a monthly basis. And I think there's good debt and there's bad debt. Bad debt, of course, would be high interest credit cards, personal loans, things like that. Maybe an auto loan that you don't want to carry into retirement. But then there's mm -hmm. also good debt. And some people would say that good debt, well, that's a mortgage on my house. This is a question I think that we receive regularly here is, I've got enough money to pay off my house. I'm 65. I'm going to retire. Should I pay off my house or should I keep the mortgage and invest that money? That's a completely loaded question there, Jeff, but a very simple test is going to be what kind of interest can I generate outside of that mortgage? So let's say if we have someone that has a mortgage that's at 2% or 2.5% that they got three years ago, well, that's a pretty easy one that, okay, if you can get 5 6% that you can get in a CD, well, then that's a discussion on whether or not you want to do that. Most people actually would just rather not have the payment, even though I wouldn't say that that's bad debt at that point. I think most people are going to be more comfortable just not having the payment. On the flip side, right now, if I have someone that has a 7% mortgage, I would highly encourage them to do everything that they can to pay that off prior to going into retirement. Now, that's just on the mortgages. I would also say that there are certain loans that you can have on life insurance policies that are not bad debt because the interest that's crediting inside of that policy could be higher than what the loan rate is. So you have to know a lot of different numbers, but there could be some good debt that's in retirement. As a general rule, we want to try and limit that as much as possible, but you're 100% correct. Credit card debt, those types of personal loans and really, really high interest debts, that's ones that you definitely want to eliminate prior to going into retirement. And there's a debt crisis right now, Grant. I read that the consumer debt, as far as credit cards goes, is $1 trillion and the average interest wow. rate is 22%. So if you've got credit cards, you'd be well advised to pay those off before you retire. Our next common retirement mistake that even well-informed people make is being too conservative or being too aggressive in the market. Yeah, that's big, Jeff. I've met with multiple people recently. One of them, she was actually a former Enron employee. And as a result, I've met with several former Enron employees and, and understandably so, she was very, very conservative. Even discussion about market risk was very difficult for her just because of her personal experience. She wanted to be ultra, ultra conservative. So our discussion was very simple around making sure that we still have growth that can help us with inflation later on, that we can be conservative to satisfy her need to be be conservative because of her past experience. However, we need to make sure that we, we have that growth so that we don't have an issue 10, 15, 20 years down the road. On the flip side, being way too aggressive, I've seen that multiple times as well. I have one person that pops into my mind that she actually was ultra aggressive until the day that they retired, until mm. the day that they sold their business. She was ultra aggressive, even though we had those discussions about pulling back some of that risk about two years before her retirement, she just was so aggressive. And that's just the way that she wanted to be. And that's okay. But you got to understand those risks that you're taking on because that timeline, you're going to in all likelihood to have a shift in your mentality when you no longer have that paycheck coming in on a monthly basis. There's typically a 
mind shift and, a, and just the way that people feel about their retirement, they typically are going to have that. So if you're really, really aggressive before retirement, you may want to assess that risk tolerance prior to your retirement date because you don't want to get hit with a market loss right before your retirement. That could be very problematic as well. And Grant, I want to squeeze this in before the break. The fifth retirement mistake that even well-informed people make is failing to be diversified. Yeah, that's a big one. We meet with people all the time where we actually run their their investments through one of our softwares, and it tells us flat out if they're really, really top-heavy in one particular sector or if they're all large-cap growth and there's no value. It'll tell us if they're really centralized in what their investments are, and that could be problematic in certain times. You want to make sure that you have a plan that's diversified, and if it's small-cap, large-cap, mid-cap, value, growth, any one of those different areas that you're actually exposed to those in a responsible way that can meet your risk tolerance. But there's too many people that they have certain now they have a couple of different mutual funds or they have a couple of different ETFs and it's all large cap growth. And that might look good at certain points, but you're also missing opportunities in other markets. We're talking about 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make with Grant Dorhout of Dorhout Retirement Services here in Omaha. We've talked about claiming Social Security at the wrong time, continuing to work after claiming Social Security early, carrying debt into retirement or paying off your debt when you retire, being too conservative or too aggressive in the market and failing to be diversified. Once again, if you'd like to talk to Grant so that you're not making these retirement mistakes, you can get your Peace in Retirement Blueprint at no cost and no obligation. You can do it today by calling 402-281-0750. That's 402-281-0750. Leave your information there and Lisa will give you a call back on Monday. You can set up a conversation with Grant. No cost, no obligation, no judgment. Conversation will be about 30 minutes or so. You can do it by phone, you can do it by Zoom, or you can come into the office if you want. Once again, this is an opportunity for you to ask your questions so that you can get on the path to retirement, a retirement in which you not only survive, but you also thrive. 402-281-0750 or request your plan online at DorhoutRetirementServices.com. That's D-O-R-H-O-U-T RetirementServices.com. Want more straight talk and honest answers about your wealth management and retirement journey? Stay with us. There's more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout here. We're back with more strategies for a successful retirement. This is the Retirement Blueprint. Once again, here's Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. We're so glad you could join us here in this Saturday morning for the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. Once again, the number to call for your Peace and Retirement Blueprint, 402-281-0750. Again, Peace and Retirement Blueprint, not going to cost you a dime. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about the 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. We've talked about claiming Social Security at the wrong time, continuing to work after claiming Social Security, carrying debt into retirement or paying off debt when you retire, being too conservative or aggressive in the market, and failing to be diversified. Grant, we're up to number six, which is not understanding how to pull income in retirement. Yeah, Jeff, we have a well-defined income plan for every single one of our clients. So we know where those checks are coming every month for the rest of their lives. And I think that that's a huge mistake. I was actually meeting with someone just a couple of days ago. They came in and they were taking a significant chunk out of their investments on a monthly basis. Now they had plenty of money to do that, but I asked them, well, do you know where this is coming from? They had no clue where it was coming from. 
and they have seven different types of accounts. They have Roth IRAs, they have individual accounts, they have joint accounts, they have IRAs, they have all types of different taxation. So I said, well, are you taking it from Roth? Are you taking it from traditional IRAs or taking it from non-qualified? Is it a combination? They said, we have no idea. And that is a problem in and of itself that a lot of times people just aren't informed as to what is actually going on with it. Not that it's their responsibility to know every one of these things, However, I think that the advisor should probably discuss whether or not it's going to be taken from traditional or Roth IRA. And you have to know these things to, because that can drastically impact what the longevity of your money is. Again, not that it's their responsibility to know every little detail. However, the fact that they didn't know if taxes were taken out or anything like that, that can be problematic in retirement. Grant, we're halfway through our 12 retirement mistakes. The next one is not planning for required minimum distributions. Yeah, that, that's a big one as well. A lot of times people are just excited that they've extended it. Now it's up to age 73. And now these things that they have to take out, they're going to have to pay taxes on it. And a lot of times people aren't taking money from their IRAs for whatever reason. And they say, you know what, now I don't have to take anything until 73. Well, that required minimum distribution, it could mess up how much tax we're paying on our Social Security. So it could be beneficial for someone that says, you know what, I don't need any of this money until, yeah, I'll take money when I'm 73. Well, what happens if you're there and then you get to pay taxes on more of your Social Security? You may want to consider doing some Roth conversions or taking some distributions and getting it out of that IRA earlier on so that it doesn't affect you in a negative way later. We're talking about the 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make with Grant Dorhout of Dorhout Retirement Services. Grant, we're up to number eight now, which is overspending in your early retirement years or not spending enough. This all goes back to that well-defined income plan again. And a lot of times you have people that they will overspend early on in retirement because they say, you know what, I'm healthy. I want to go on these trips. I want to do all of these things. It's okay to do that if you have a well-defined income plan. I know I'm beating that horse to death, but I'm going to repeatedly because if we know that we're going to spend $5,000, $10,000, $15,000, $20,000 per year early in retirement, and then we think we're going to probably temper it back. And once we're maybe 75 years old, that's a realistic thing to do. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't have that planned for, and then we have the situation that I just talked about, well, hey, we just call our advisor and tell them to send us money. And we haven't defined that this is what we're going to do in retirement. It can be really, really problematic. And then on the flip side, not spending enough. I want to make sure people live in order to have a successful retirement plan. It's not just about money. It's about the quality of life and doing things that you want to do and going where you want to go. That's where I think people that could maybe spend a little bit more early in retirement, enjoy your retirement. You've built up these funds to be able to have fun in your retirement. They're called your golden years for a reason. And Grant, we're going to be covering that topic in a future show, and that is retirement is not just about money. So the topic of that conversation will be transition from working to retirement, but I'm glad that you mentioned that. We're talking about the 12 retirement mistakes, and Grant, we're up to number nine now, and that is something that we talked about a little bit in uh, a previous part of the show here, neglecting to plan for long-term care. Yeah, very often I come across people, ask them what their long-term care plan is. They think I'm talking about insurance, and that's one of the things. They can get traditional long-term care insurance. 
That's not what I'm talking about is how are we going to pay for this expense that is all too real that as we age, our bodies break down. It's just what it is. And, and we're going to, in all likelihood, need some form of care, whether it be in the home or assisted living or skilled nursing facility in a, in a traditional long-term care setting. The first way that you can pay for that, again, is the traditional long-term care insurance. You could also pay for it with asset-based long-term care where you have a larger sum of money that you can draw from this bigger bucket and you can do that every single month until that money's exhausted or maybe it goes for the rest of your life. And then a lot of people talk about self-insuring and it's actually just self-funding. And I still encourage people, if you're going to self-fund, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but I would highly encourage you to define a pocket of money that is going to pay for that specific expense. That's the reason that I have a vacation fund. That's the reason I have a car fund is those funds are set aside for that purpose. And I highly encourage everyone in their retirement plans to do the same thing inside of your retirement plan. If you're not going to have insurance, there's nothing wrong with that, but you have to define what pocket of money is going to pay for your long-term care. So long-term care insurance, very, very important to plan for that. The next one, Grant, and it is number 10 on our list of 12, is not updating your estate planning documents on a regular basis. Yeah. You know, I've met with people in the past where we review their wills, we review their trusts, and things are not even applicable anymore. Maybe they had someone that has passed away that is still a beneficiary. You need to make sure that that is updated regularly. And I would, I would at least review them once a year and make sure that nothing has changed. I've even met with people that have adult children that aren't even in their will yet wow. because they just haven't updated it that much. <laughs> and it's easy to do like, well, you know, we'll get to that. But then next thing you know, it's 25 years later and you didn't right. get to it yet. So you got to review that at least once a year is my recommendation. <laughs> yeah. And I've got a friend who says that somebody brought in a will, as I said, looked like the Declaration of Independence. It was all yellow and wrinkly. And like you said, I mean, yep. this person had adult children that weren't even in the will yet. So, you know, keep in mind that things change. You do want to update your estate planning documents on a regular basis. Grant, we're up to the next to the last one and our 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. Number 11, underestimating how long you're going to live. I cannot tell you how many times I've gone through this where I want to run a retirement plan. I want to run it all the way out to age 100. Almost never do I have people say, well, yeah, that's realistic. We're probably going to make it to 100. Most people think that they're probably going to be gone much earlier than that. And that's okay. If you are gone earlier than that, then you're just going to pass away with more money and then we figure out what to do with it from there. But all too often I have people say, eh, just run it out to 80. Hmm. What if we live until 82? And what if we run out of money at 80? Then we got a real big problem because it's one thing to get older and maybe have our health go away, but then it's an entirely different thing to get older and then be broke. So we want to make sure that we plan for where we could live to, not to where we think we're going to live to. Yeah, just because your parents, I mean, lived to age 70, certainly medical advances have come along that have allowed us to treat things that maybe weren't available for your parents. I mean, my father died of a disease, uh, you know, when I was very, very young. And today it is a very treatable Mm -hmm. disease with a high success rate. So keep in mind that even though your parents died early and you think you're going to die at the same age, more than likely you're probably not going to. I would err on the longevity side and make those plans run out to at least 100 years old. That brings us up to the last one, Grant, of our 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. And that is quitting your job before your plan is funded. 
This is a very interesting one to me. I have a client from a couple years ago. They, they became a client and they came in. We went through a very realistic scenario of if we live to age 100, this is what our income needs are. This is what our reliable income sources are. And we put together a plan for them and they went and they talked to their friends and they came back in a couple months later and they said that their friends told them, well, you just tell him that you're going to retire because that's their job. It's their job to figure it out. Well, that's all fine and dandy. It is our job to figure it out for our clients. However, we also have to do it in a realistic way. If someone just retires and then they say, well, just figure it out. If we retire and we don't have enough money, that's a big, big problem. So you got to make sure that your plan is fully funded and you're up to the point where, hey, you know what, now I can turn on these income sources, whether it be social security, pension, maybe it's annuity payments, or maybe you have dividends from stocks or any way that you're going to get this reliable income. You have to have that ready to go before you retire. Make sure you're fully funded. Make sure you've thought of the different consequences of retiring early. And if you're going to continue to work in a part-time capacity, then you also have had to have figured out, well, do I want to take Social Security if I'm not full retirement age? Because again, we don't want to pay any of that Social Security back. That just overcomplicates things in our retirement. We've been talking about the 12 retirement mistakes that even well-informed people make. We've talked about claiming Social Security too early or at the wrong time, continuing to work after claiming Social Security early, carrying debt into retirement and paying off debt when you retire, being too conservative or aggressive in the market, failing to be diversified, not understanding how to pull income in retirement, not planning for required minimum distributions, overspending in your early retirement years or not spending enough, neglecting to plan for long-term care, not updating your estate planning documents, underestimating how long you're going to live, and finally, quitting your job before your plan is funded. Which of those are you guilty of? Well, if you'd like to continue this conversation with Grant, once again, request your Peace in Retirement Blueprint. It's quite simple to get that. No cost, no obligation. That number to call, you can call it right now if you want. 402-281-0750. 402-281-0750. Lisa will call you back on Monday and find a convenient time for you and Grant to chat. Again, it's not going to cost you a dime. It'll take about 30 minutes, but it could be the most important 30-minute call that you'll ever make. Once again, it's 402-281-0750. 402-281-0750. You can also request your Peace and Retirement Blueprint online at doorhoutretirementservices.com, D-O-R-H-O-U-T, retirementservices.com. And Grant, speaking of that retirement blueprint, I can't think of anybody that you've had a conversation with who has come in and met with you and then walked out and said, well, that was a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <It's>, that's right. <laughs> it's always a valuable conversation. I mean, obviously, sometimes you have to get real with people. But at the same time, there are people who come in and say, probably, Grant, I want to retire in five years. And I would think that many times you take a look at the facts and the figures and you tell them, well, you could retire right now. Many times you're the bear mm -hmm. of good news. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of times where we have an arbitrary number in our head and we just think, oh, I need $2 million. I need $3 million. I need $1.5 million. Well, you need to actually figure out what your income need is. If you figure out what your income need is, you might not need a million and a half dollars. You might need 800000 and you might have a million. So if that's the case, I mean, it, it might be something where you, you need to get some additional information and you need to get some additional facts behind it and figure out what are my options. But if you're looking for some good news in your life where you just want to get real and find out exactly where you are, once again, it's 402-281-0750 to talk to Grant. No cost, no obligation, 402 
281-0750 or online at DoorHoutRetirementServices.com. Grant, we're out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time, but most of all, I want to thank our listeners here in Omaha, Nebraska for joining us. For Grant Doorhout, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of the Retirement Blueprint right here on News Talk 1290, Coil. The opinions voiced in the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Doorhout are for general information and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Examples provided are hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Investing in an alternative investment may only be suitable for persons who are able to assume the risk of losing a portion or all of their entire investment. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not consider the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Jeff Shade and show guests are not affiliated with CWM LLC.